Welcome to From the Heart with Daniel Groom and Don Lister of Anahata Yoga Center. Today we're talking to Ruth Mortimer, who is a forest bathing guide. Welcome, Ruth. Hello, thanks for having me. You're welcome. So how are we all today? Daniel, how's things with you? I am well, thank you. Um, I am looking forward to a night out tonight, actually. I am going to see a socially distanced dragon comedy show um, that one of my friends is curating at the Clapham Grand. So I'm leaving this and going to get some sparkles on and get up to London and with a face mask and go and do something that I've been missing for a long time, <laughs> which is having I'm a laugh. So some comedy. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I've just bought myself a sequins blazer, gold Lamy sequins blazer. You can borrow it if you want. I need to go somewhere like that to wear it. Or, or I may just wear it to go and get the shopping, actually. That's I was say, 50. <laughs> you, can, you can come around our house and wear it. You'll fit in well. <laughs> Ruth, how are you? Are you doing well? I'm doing all right, thank you. Yes, um, I was feeling a little bit tired, but the talk of sequins has suddenly uh, perked me up. <laughs> I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 the same. I'm I'm coming. I'm 50 in a few weeks. Very excited about it. Um, despite the fact that probably won't be able to celebrate because uh, of everything shutting down again. But that's okay. Um, so my my resolution of being 50 is wearing inappropriate clothes all the time. So I literally went into the attic and got out my um tool skirts and all my sequins and all my fancy clothes that have been hidden up there forever. And I'm going to wear them to go to Waitrose. Why not? <laughs> anyway, enough chat about clothes and drag acts etc etc you're Let calling me... yourself a drag act <laughs> <laughs> you probably <laughs> <laughs> so ruth let's let's just kick off with having um a chat let's dive straight into something i haven't done yet well not on a conscious way um, but I'm really excited to join you to do. Tell us about forest bathing. What is it? Um, well, <laughs> when people ask me this question, the first things I normally say is what it's not. And it's it's not swimming. <laughs> and it's not running around naked in the woods. <laughs> Sometimes people think it might be. Um, it's actually really simple. Um, it's a sequence of invitations and exercises um, that are all designed to awaken your senses uh, so that you connect to nature, um, but ultimately connect to yourself. So it's essentially um, a form of mindfulness, really, mindfulness in nature. Um, and can just be a really lovely, peaceful, um, calming thing to do. Oh. I, I know I, I love spending time with trees. I was recently in um, a forest in Suffolk with some friends. And it's a forest that's famous for alien sightings. And I can't remember the name of it. So then begin with the R. But we, um, we're all cranial sacral therapists. So we were all hugging the trees, um, as I do anyway, because I just like a tree hug. And um, sensing into the tree's rhythm. And I hadn't done that before. But the, the tree very strongly has a rhythm in the same way that human beings have. Um, I kind of, I was, I then got very excited about this conversation, because you obviously being somebody who spends a lot of time around trees um you you've probably got quite a lot a lot to say about it so I guess what you're saying is that it's a mindful activity 
that um, has a formula that you you walk people through. Could, could you maybe talk a little bit more about what that session might look like? Yeah, sure. So um, a normal session is sort of between two to three hours, depending on where you are. And um, and it's funny, actually, when people hear that, they sometimes think, oh, God, three hours, that's a really long time. But then once in the session, they get to the end and can't quite believe that three hours has gone, even though time has slowed down in that session. So it's a, a strange sort of warping of time, really, perhaps back to how we might have experienced time originally before we all got a bit busy. Mm. Um but a typical session, uh, it's all sort of designed to sort of be slowly lowering you down um, into your uh, parasympathetic nervous system, back into how we would have kind of sat and just be in nature. Um, so we'd start off with perhaps just an invitation to go and say hello to the forest, um, perhaps go and say hello to a tree, uh, maybe introduce yourself to a tree. Um, and you can do that, you know, you don't have to do it out loud, you can just spend some time with that tree, however that, that feels for you. Um, but also setting an intention for the session. And that's a big thing with the forest bathing is perhaps setting an intention or uh, a reason or a question as to, to why you're there that day. And then we might move, we might walk, we might stay in static locations for a bit, depending on the space, depending on the group, depending on what nature is offering that day. Um, and then there's invitations, perhaps uh, spending time just listening. So perhaps sitting or lying down, even standing, um, closing the eyes and just really paying attention to what you can hear and whether that's nearby or far away. And we spend some time really doing that. Um, two invitations about what we can feel, um, perhaps even exploring texture and touch. Um, one of my favorites is smell and inviting people to just walk around and smell. Um, you know, people might naturally smell a flower or two, but, you know, they might not necessarily have gone and smelt the trunk of a tree or um, the leaves on the ground. Um, and there's sort of different things that come up from that is, I mean, all of these are designed to perhaps you learn a bit more about nature um, and might be surprised by what you find. But equally, you're starting to really come into the present of what's around you and noticing what's around you and your body is starting to slow down into that state that is more natural than in your flight or fight, you know, ramped up, stressed about things and not noticing. Um, but done in, I think it's quite a nice accessible way. I mean, if you're invited to go and smell, just smell everything that you can and explore, perhaps almost in a childlike way. Um, it's just giving people permission to do that and then seeing what comes up from them and and it can be just really relaxing it can be a, quite an emotional experience as things start to release um or, or also just something that people say i i've walked through these woods before perhaps walking their dog or riding their bike or jogging or and yet never seen them in this way or never noticed or never realized that there were different smells or so many different textures um and we can always then discuss a little bit afterwards. So I, after each exercise, I invite people to share what they've noticed. And there's never obligation as well. People can just stay in silence or stay with that feeling. Um, but often the different discoveries that they make in nature, they can then apply to their life as well and perhaps um, talk about what they realize is coming up for them. Um, but what I really like, the big emphasis in any of these sessions is always that there is no obligation, everything is optional. You can, if something doesn't resonate for you and you just wanna go and sit under a tree for a little time, you absolutely can. 
Um, and there's real space for that and there's no right or wrongs. And I loved that about forest bathing, but it was interesting is actually that came up for me when I would come uh, actually for yoga sessions at Anahata, uh, realizing that there is choice within that and that that's so important to empower someone with. Um, and for me on my own um, healing path, that's been so important. So when I discovered that that was one of the key messages in forest bathing, that really resonated for me, made me think this is what I would like to be able to guide people with and give them that space as well. So you touched upon a little bit around, you know, you've, you've kind of used forest bathing and, and yoga. And I understand from knowing you mindfulness as well as a way to, to, to heal what was going on in your life. And would you like to tell us a little bit more about that story and kind of what led you to getting into the forest bathing? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I've often uh, turned to different meditation and mindfulness practices in my life. I spent, well, actually way before about 20 years ago, um, I studied at theatre school and a lot of the practices there, although I may not have known it, um, particularly in voice and movement work, are actually um, quite mindful um, activities, especially the breath work. Um, and so since then I, I traveled quite a lot and I lived um, in Japan for some time and I lived over in a quite hectic city in Vietnam. And I would always seek out um, different meditation groups and, and uh, mindfulness practices because I knew instinctively that that would help me from the sort of the hectic, crazy traffic and the wonderful life that I was living, but felt quite hectic and, and, and busy all the time. Um, but yeah, flash forward to a couple of years ago, I was um, living in Wales um, in a beautiful, beautiful campsite, um, woodlands in the mountains of Wales. Um, and I was suddenly um, hit with a, a severe respiratory illness that led me sort of being whisked off in an ambulance through the mountains um, and ended up a, a few weeks stay in hospital. And, and some of that was up in intensive care. Um, but there was this really interesting moment that happened that when they wheeled me up to intensive care, um, uh, my bed happened to be by the window um, and, and the view was of the mountains and the hills and the trees. It was just so lush, beautiful nature. And I just felt like everything was going to be OK, whatever that meant, that I was going to be OK and to trust in that. And I know that view of nature was what was doing that for me. Um, I mean, yes, of course, there was a lot of morphine too, but, <laughs> but, but there was just something about that. And I just remember having this thought of that just strips away everything that what, what is important and what isn't. And there was something about this real message for me coming back to nature, coming back to nature. Um, and certainly since then, I've read quite a lot about different studies that have said that patients um, in hospital that have a view of nature tend to recover quickly uh, or, or more quickly um, and even perhaps pictures or videos of nature can help um, with with patients recoveries from illness or, or operations um, so I guess that started to sow that seed a little bit more and when I was discharged from hospital I had to um, I couldn't go back to my job I kind of it was a real it was a real hard time because that illness meant you know sort of in a short version of the long stories that I lost my job I lost my home um I lost my relationship um so it was a real complete now stripping away of everything um and I knew it was going to take me a long time to recover physically and mentally 
And I was just really lucky that I had my parents here in Essex that I could come back to and and be looked after here in this sort of safe environment. Um, but there was a whole part of me that had always not really wanted to come back here. I'd seen it's quite a suburban area. It's where I was from. So there was a real push against that. Um, and, and yet my parents live near um, a woods, a lovely woods, right slap, back, slap, slap bang in the middle of a quite you know, residential area, this beautiful, um, quite old woods. And I knew I had to get myself walking. And then when I could get myself walking far enough, get myself walking up to the woods. And as soon as I was in the woods, the difference I felt mentally, but also physically for my lungs, because my lungs were still healing and, and, and I was trying to get that breath back and get them to move more and and people every so often would talk about um oh ancient woodlands and healing powers I'd hear different messages from that or a meditation group that I went to I'd hear different things about that and it just got me thinking um and then the more that I started looking into that I could just feel myself being called towards that I suppose that message but then I applied for a job at the visitor center at the woods and had to propose an event idea in the interview um and came up with the idea of wellness in the woods and thinking of things like yoga and Pilates, Tai Chi, all out in the woods, influenced by my time out in Asia, where I would see um, people even in the city parks out early mornings um, practicing Tai Chi in groups and big community groups. And there was something really powerful about that. But as I Googled wellness in the woods, I found forest bathing and thought, what's that? And I confess, part of me was like, well, that'll just stand out in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> and then I researched it more and thought, actually, this is exactly what I think I have been doing and what I would like to do. And let's find out more about it. Um, luckily, also got the job, which meant that I had access to the woods. And so when I actually had done my training and started to put on events, it meant that I had this this wonderful um access to these beautiful woods um, and lots of other nature reserves around that I could kind of begin to, to share that. Um, yeah, so it's a really interesting way to get into it and it just seemed to flow and it all feels a bit accidental. <laughs> but I, think... I, hear, I hear what you're saying, isn't it? But you hear that so often about people that have come to a, a moment of deep crisis, like there's a turning point, you know, it could be something like really serious, like a health crisis like you've had. And then suddenly when everything falls away, like a wisdom comes in and it sounds like the wisdom for you was about nature and nature really calling you and having a conversation with you um, about your next path and your journey. I mean, do you, do you believe that trees and nature and our souls are connected in some way? I think so. And I, th I think it's, I think you can use different narratives to describe that. So I think you can use uh, a very spiritual, almost, you know, or even, you know, sort of magical ways of describing that. Or you could even describe it in that very, uh, I suppose almost scientific, although scientists might correct me, but, but in that way of we are part of nature, we are nature. The way that, um, you know, human civilization has progressed over the years, um, you know, I guess from, the agriculture revolution onwards we became or told ourselves we were masters of nature mm -hmm. and then the balance starts to tip um, until the, the point that I guess we're potentially at now um, but actually when you go to um, our more ancient beliefs and certainly people that are still living in harmony with the land 
they have different ways of describing our relationship with nature that is that we are part of it and that might be that there are spirits in the trees and plants and, and every living thing and that we honor them we respect them we have to please them or we'll make sure we don't anger them um to even if it's on a perhaps a sustainable um environmental approach however you know and i'm kind of one of these people that's very open to it could be anything mm -hmm. but i think what is clear is that we are masters of it, we are part of it. And those living living trees, living plants, living things are just as important as us. And everything that we do affects one another. And even the energy of that, what, what energy they are and, and our energy. And the act of going up to a tree and touching it and listening to it can have an effect on us, but it's also going to have an effect on that tree. And whatever that exchange is, um, however we understand it, it's really important and was something that was so important for us in our existence. And you know, again, looking at that human evolution scale, there's only a tiny part of that, that we stepped away from nature and started living in concrete blocks and you know, hectic, busy cities disconnected. Mm -hmm. Most of our time we were living out there and you know, whether we were smelling and, and touching things because of uh, spiritual belief or whether it's because we were tracking animals and hunting food, we were still really connected and part of it um and i think that's what we have potentially lost or some people have lost or, or the way that our society works and can in itself create that perhaps disease and disconnection on both the mental and physical way mm. i was just reflecting upon um i can't remember who said it but i was listening to to a discussion around um, the changes in the environment and someone quite rightly pointed out that man thinks we can control nature but actually what will happen is we'll end up wiping ourselves out and nature will just carry on because actually that's what it does because you can't control it because if you try and control a plant growing out of the ground it will find another way to grow out of that ground Mm. or it will kill it or it will die and it will plant itself somewhere else won't it so there's a there's a I remember um my teacher Rod Stryker talking about our internal energy being needing to be guided a bit like how a plant guides itself that it has one reason to live and that is to meet the sun and to grow what it needs to grow and then to to fall away and if you think about cult in our, cultivating our inner energy in that way and not scattering in it anywhere else other than that thing that feels really powerful to us, then what amazing things we're able to create, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and if you think about, you know, we, we are so scattered now within society, you know, we've got so many different ways that we're putting our energy out there. No wonder we're depleted and exhausted and no wonder so many people now are turning back to nature to be able to get resourced again or feel energized again, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you think about what's happened through lockdown recently, how many people have said, oh, I found, you know, some new green bits around where I live or I planted some things in my garden or I had a window box and I grew some flowers or I went for a walk and I found somewhere new that I hadn't been before. It's like, you know, that little pocket of time gave us this opportunity to connect back with the world again didn't it and you know with nature and it, it feels to me like that's being lost very quickly 
again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there was this real wonderful sort of that moment of more people connecting in that hope. And then as we've kind of been, I don't know, whatever's going on now and whatever people are feeling forced to do or feel they should be doing risks that, you know, that disconnection again. But it's something that's so simple. And and it's something that sometimes then when I do what I do in the forest bathing guide, I, I kind of think, oh, but essentially it's, you know, it's, it's obvious we spend time in nature, we feel better in a way, but it's something so simple and so innate in our human need. And yet something that's so forgotten or not, that people don't actually make time for or don't feel they have time for or maybe don't even think to do or lots of people don't even have access to nature depending on where they live as well really so I don't know I, I was just reflecting as I was listening to you um for me when I look at a forest I see a community and um I, I know because I'm a little bit obsessed with trees um that they talk to each other like they have a neural network don't they that sits under the ground and the all in the whole forest, they communicate to each other and send messages, and, and it's a supportive environment. Um, and I kind of think I always look at nature as a model for life. You know, you can't, you can't. Everything changes. Everything's growing. Things get older and die and fall away. Um, and that that's kind of how life is for human beings as well. But you know, we as beings need community and we need connection. And we need compassion. And I feel like there's a lot of, for me, the thing that jumps out in a, in a woodland is the, the sense of community and safety. But also it's very, it feels compassionate because I, there's no judgment, is there? There's no, that tree needs to look different from the other tree or it's not as good as that tree or they're not part of my little club because it's a different species. It's just like, it's just every, all the trees are just being trees. And when I step into a forest, I mean, I don't think all those thoughts unless I actually ponder on it later, but that certainly is, it's like a hum in a community and it's safe. Would you, would you agree with that? So much. Yes. Yeah, so, so much. I mean, that, that, that network in itself, the way that they communicate to each other, they will um, warn each other if there's an attack or disease, um, whether that's through the, the, the network underground or whether that's through the different chemicals that they release. So if one chemical has an infection or attacked by a parasite, then they'll let the other trees know. Um, if uh, one tree needs more nutrients, they'll send nutrients to the other tree. Oh. Um, so it's just, and probably so much more than I, you know, I know, but um, there is an absolute sense of sort of supporting and everything working in balance and harmony and absolutely that that everything is kind of imperfect which makes it perfect and every shape and 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 everything having its own place as well and something comes up quite a lot or did come up quite a lot earlier in the year actually on some sessions was that everything has its own time and we can always or often in the way that we view life now to achieve and be productive and we think we have to do everything at a fast pace and there's something lovely when you sit and yeah visit the forest and, and observe that everything comes up in its own time and particularly this year having that time during lockdown to notice that of when different plants were growing or what I really noticed was actually the different butterflies that came out this year mm. and there were different ones that came out at different times and it really reminded me personally that we each have our different time to maybe come out as the butterfly, but then our time to hibernate or grow slowly or conserve our energy. And other times when then we might have a sudden burst of growth and, and we can't be doing that growth all the time. 
we have to have the times of conserving energy. And even when it gets to, you know, you mentioned that sort of death and decay of, of, of you know, things in the forest, you know, a piece of deadwood provides so much material um, resource, food, home for other animals, insects, wildlife. And it's just that real reminding us again of, I guess, what it's all about. And, you know, it, if you look at sort of a different um people that are living in within still those environments there's very few left i suppose in the world now the way that they will then communicate that or tell stories about nature you know storytelling used to be very much about sharing um your know, wisdom and ideas um and perhaps even warnings about what was safe or what wasn't safe but so much of that is steeped in sort of animals and um plants and trees for good reason because we can always learn from that and again reminding ourselves that we are that too those those mm. trees or plants that we see we are that too mm. um but I always feel really safe when I get into the forest now especially the familiar places I have uh, different um I suppose in forest bay that we call it sit spots so spots that you return to again and again and just sit um and the more you do that the more you get to know everything and see different things and notice the changes or the things that don't change and and it feels that you get to know those trees as well and almost that you have a relationship with them or, or they have a relationship with you. It feels almost like they're recognising you or, you know, there's perhaps one or two trees you might get called to. There's one in particular that I sort of call my old tree friend up at Hatfield Forest. It's this giant, beautiful, beautiful um, uh, old tree. And I feel like every time I see him, I you know, have a good hug and it, it feels like greeting an, an old soul or an old friend friend that's seen so much but is always there and always constant mm. and that in itself can be a really powerful relationship I think you know in a world where we have so much change in other ways mm. um yeah it's quite I think it's something quite interesting that can happen well it's, it's incredible I mean it's a maybe slightly trite but remember the film Avatar I remember, I just, that's, to me, that's, you know, we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten that we are an interconnected species, that without nature, we're dead. Without trees, we're definitely dead because, you know, they're the lungs of the earth. Um, and just on that level, you know, us, as you were saying earlier, us believing that we are in some way superior and we're separate, we've disconnected and the damage that disconnect has done to our nervous system is profound. I mean, Daniel, I would be really interested, you know, from a yoga therapy point of view, certainly for people that are listening at home, just to maybe speak a little bit about what that is that is happening from that shift to, you know, that high adrenaline state into that parasympathetic that, you know, we use in our yoga practice and our mindfulness that, that Ruth's speaking about in Forest Bay, though. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that the fundamental thing that, that we probably don't have enough of in our day is time when we slow down and give ourselves time to rest. And I, I, I think, you know, taking a walk in nature and doing that mindfully is as powerful as, as meditating, is as powerful as taking 20 minutes to lie down in Shavasana, is as powerful as many other practices that we're really familiar with in the yogic in the yogic world but actually this this letting yourself shift out of 
that stress responsive state that so many of us are in constantly. And I'm sure many people have felt over this last six months, that's been ramped up even higher because there's so much uncertainty around at the moment that you can understand if people have access, they have been going out and doing something like this and just reaping those benefits. Um, but I, I, as Ruth was talking, I was kind of thinking about what being in the forest means to me. And I find there's something quite childlike and quite magical about being in the forest. Um, I remember as a child reading um, like Wind in the Willows and things like that. And that really resonates with me that kind of idea of it's almost like a, a fantasy world you know and and when when I go in a forest I find it very peaceful there's something about kind of being surrounded by the trees or by the canopy that mm. makes me feel quite safe and quite almost held and and I love I always look in like the sort of little root areas and stuff like that. Cause I imagine all the little animals that live in there. And that's just, you know, it's just, it's funny, isn't it? How you connect with things that, you know, uh, are really childlike things that bring so much joy, but then, you know, another day you could walk through the forest or for me, I tend to ride around through the forest quite a lot. I quite like mountain biking through it, which I don't know whether you agree with or not Ruth, <laughs> but, but I just go and find, I go and find somewhere really deep in the forest and just stop, like you said, and just go and sit for a little while and just take it all in. And it just feels like I've got away from everything. And actually, I do it quite a lot when I'm at the studio. I'll go and ride up to Belfair's on my mountain bike and go right into the furthest bit that I can get and find a little bench and just sit there. And I love it. It just makes me feel really happy. And I can do that in 20 minutes, you know, so I can be from the studio to the bench in 20 minutes have a little bit of time there and then get back and that's my lunch hour. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, um, that stepping back into that childlike feeling is equally as important as, you know, you talk about that time to step into that rest state, you know, it's not on for a lot of adults. We don't often let ourselves step back into that child state as well. And yeah, exploring or collecting things, or, you know, we might even do a forest art invitation where you can make different, you know pictures or drawings or collect things just on the yeah. ground and it doesn't matter how good it is it's not for anyone else's eyes but just kind of letting go and just playing mm. or, and I, um, I, I was just thinking you know just referring back to dawn's question before you know from a from a from a sort of yoga therapy perspective i i find it really useful to help people connect with what makes them feel alive or makes them feel joyful and it's so amazing you could go into a forest and there's so much there that is so connective for people and also maybe triggering stuff as well for people you know depending on you know experiences in their past and I remember watching films when I was younger about you know the forest being quite a scary place as well and you can you know you, you can understand how people can get quite triggered by it being quite dark and there being lots of hiding places for things you know <laughs> especially if you've got a vivid imagination by like me but yeah you 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 using using such simple things to bring joy or or equally to start to 
to use those things that might scare us and knowing that you can do it in a controlled way with someone like yourself would be hugely powerful. Yeah, and again, um, every invitation is optional, but also I try and be really careful with my, my invitation and even the um, discussion, the inquiry afterwards to not sort of assume, as you say, some people could get that real joy and childlike awe and then other people, yeah, definitely can bring up different fears or different memories of that. One invitation is just uh, we walk barefoot for a certain part of the journey. Again, totally optional. You don't have to take your shoes off and walk barefoot. It's, you know, whatever anyone wants to do. And that could be a real divider. Some people then really love that and really enjoy the different sensations on their feet um, or feel quite childlike or it feels even naughty to take their shoes off and walk barefoot. Something so simple, really, and yet can really be a huge thing. And uh, a lot of the time, people have said that's one of their favourite parts of the forest bathing um, uh, session, which I was slightly surprised at when I first started guiding. I didn't realise how uh, powerful that was. But equally, some people are really anxious about it. It's too big a deal for them or they try and they just don't feel safe. But even that act of learning that it's okay and that they can put their shoes back on, they have that choice. And that in itself could be something you talk about and the fact that actually they've decided they don't want to do it and they can put this and it's up to them. And I think that's equally as important and valuable for someone to do that. Or the smell we have often, I used to give out uh, cups that they collect all the different things that smell and you'd get a sort of a smell potion and you could name it and discuss it. Um, and one lady one day at the end of that se um, session, she um, invitation, she came back and we we're doing this the discussion afterwards and her pot was empty and she said, I'm always a people pleaser. And I decided today that I wasn't going to be anymore. So she didn't collect anything and she kept an empty cup. And I thought that was wonderful because <laughs> there is whatever it needs to be for that person. You know, it's not about a right or wrong. And I, I loved that that was where she was finding herself. Um, I love so, yeah. that. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I love that you've kind of brought it back to actually what brought you into your yoga practice, which was actually needing a place where you had options to be yourself and to let yourself heal. And now you're doing that beautifully with other people as well. Yeah, and that so doesn't, isn't it? I think you find that, that, sorry. No, sorry, Ruth, <laughs> I'm getting excited. <laughs> please, please go. <laughs> I, I definitely on my, I remember when I first came back to Essex and I was, I was really trying to fix myself and I was really trying to just find the answers, what would make me better and solve it and move on. Um, and realized again, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Um, but as I was sort of reaching out to different modalities and working out right, what could help me or what wouldn't. And I encountered every so often someone telling me, this is the way, this is the only way, this is what you need to do, don't do those other things. Mm -hmm. And I know that was because that was that person's belief and that's what helped them. And that's amazing and wonderful. What I realized is for me, and I think for a lot of people, for most people, that doesn't necessarily help. And actually being given the invitation to have choices and I, you know, I always liken it to um, some yoga classes um, with you guys. You know, you can move your hand here, move your arm here. But if that doesn't feel right, you can move your arm here. And it was so simple and yet incredibly important. And I have realized that that's what I personally need and I think is really important for other people. And so I really try to take that same um, ethos into what I offer and what I do. I completely get that Ruth and I think I mean it's a much bigger conversation but I think you know from almost from the moment people are birthed 
there is an expectation of what's what comes next you know and a measurement that goes along with that and how quickly is your child potty changed how quickly are they reading how many friends have you got um and then as you get older how you look and what job you're going to do and there's not an awful lot of freedom and I think the word I want to use is space space to kind of find out well what does my soul want to do and just thinking back into the my obsession with trees when I'm with a tree I feel like a space opens up inside me and there is a conversation that happens with the tree and it it it, it feels like everything drops away from me and that space is created from for wis- my own wisdom to come in my own intuitive wisdom to come in which obviously is you know you're a mindfulness practitioner as am I and Daniel the the you know that's that is the invitation of mindfulness, isn't it? Is to create enough space so that our inherent wisdom and intuition can arise and help us to make choices that are right for us versus kind of some kind of container that the world might want to put you in so that the world feels comfortable with your choice. What do you, what would you say about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, creating that space between our, you know, our emotion, our emotional reaction and then our choice and our response. And so often at the beginning of when people hear that, or certainly for me, I remember thinking, does that mean I then don't have any extreme emotional reactions? But that's not it. Mm-hmm. We're still going to be us and we're still going to to react. But then having that space that then you can, as you say, hear your own wisdom, your own intuition. And um, for me, that time with a tree, as you say, you feel like there's a, there's a conversation and I'm fully aware that that some of that wisdom that the tree is sharing with me is probably ultimately my wisdom. Um, but I need that tool. I need that narrative. I need that connection to perhaps access that, to hear it, to allow myself to hear myself. Mm. Um, and, and also that sense of belonging as well. I think that's the other thing and being part of something bigger and being part of nature and as Daniel said about earlier that you kind of you can't control all of that and that nature will will keep going and you know whatever that that means for us as humans um and there's an element of surrender and letting go in that mm-hmm. and rather than that being a scary thing that can become quite a beautiful thing which then I think comes back to mindfulness again as sort of surrender and letting go of what you you can't control allowing yourself that space to then see what's really going on and I think there's something also about that time with nature that ultimately it's a conversation with yourself, but because it's something that you're connected with and that is, it is external at the same time, but reflecting back your own wisdom, mm. it feels that could be potentially quite accessible for people than necessarily... Um, for some people, the idea possibly of sat in a room, you know, again, it isn't that, as we all know, meditation isn't just sat in a room cross-legged and thinking of nothing. We know that's not what it is, but that perception can be sometimes. And sometimes just having something that that we can connect to, like like a tree, you know, or even a, a house plant um, or looking out the window in the clouds can just help create that space again um, to hear ourselves. When the, um, I was listening to, um... Think is a mathematician who's just won the Nobel Peace Prize and he was talking about how the whatever the equation was that he won the Nobel Peace Prize for it was to do with black holes how maths and black holes connect I'm, I've no idea and I actually don't want to know but anyway he was in nature 
And he said, you know, I was just, I think he said I was walking through a wood or I was walking by the beach. I can't remember. My brain just was like, I hear this so often that people make like really important breakthroughs personally and in the world of science and sort of things that are being created, they're incredible in nature, because in that space, all the chaos drops away that's in our head, all that overlay and that constant chitter chatter. It's almost like everything takes a deep breath and slows down. And then not only does our intuition and wisdom have the space to rise, but also our creativity. You know, I, was, I just thought it was really interesting. Well, I, I was going to say from a perspective of being a yoga nidra practitioner and teacher, that that same process of 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 going through the whole of the 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 different layers and in yoga it's known as the koshas so your physical body your energetic body your mental emotional body your intuitive body and then you drop into that bliss state and when you're in that bliss state things become clear <laughs> and you know i i i remember a client i had years ago he said and he was a very practical gentleman. He was like, I realized I couldn't work out how to do something on my car to fix it. So I brought it into the yoga nidra practice. And at that point where I was offered that space to connect really deeply with myself, I solved the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and he just couldn't work, he just couldn't work it out in his logical head. You know, he'd gone through every single scenario so however we create that space whether it's going into nature whether it's meditating whether it's yoga nidra whether it's going swimming in the sea or whether it's just you know giving yourself some time to drop out of our busy minds and bodies and drop back into that deep in innate place within ourselves we get answers <laughs> yeah absolutely well, you often even hear um of uh, songwriters sort of waking up in the morning or the early hours of the morning, I guess, after having gone into their different dream states and, and rest overnight and then waking up with, you know, new ideas and often some good new ideas come up in the morning or even, <laughs> even you hear people writing songs when they're sat on the toilet. <laughs> and perhaps there's again, something about that, just that, that rest or relax for a moment. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Something about the moment of letting go. <laughs> I think so. I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ru there in my head. Ru Ruth, uh, I won't ask you about your toilet habits. But, um, <laughs> one, one, one question that we ask everybody is, what does your self-care practice look like? And what, 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 what does it mean to you? <laughs> uh, um, well, I think the big thing that summed it up as I thought about this when you said you might answer, ask me this question was I think self-care is something I've always been aware of that was important and I used to always have the word should about it mm. now it's a need and I feel that embodied need that self-care is important and when I don't do it I, I, I recognize and notice the difference and how much I need to implement self-care so it's gone from my should to I feel this now, this innate need to do it. What it looks like, I definitely don't always manage it, but getting out into nature as much as I can, I notice the days that I haven't. 
you know, the other work that I do is pretty much sat in front of a laptop all day. And the days that I then haven't got outside, even just stepped out inside of the outside of the garden, I feel that difference. Um, also, it's a bit of saying no, um, which I found difficult to start with, but actually saying no to certain things, not over committing. I have realized that I really have to do that. That was a bit of the old me that would be busy and trying to do a million different things. Um, and I now feel like I just can't do that. And for a while I carried that, that felt like a weight. It felt like, oh, I have to say no to things. That's a bad thing. And now actually I feel like that's a gift. It's just about getting that balance. Um, so I always try and look at you know my diary and actually almost diarize self-care time and time out. And if I can see a day that I could potentially have overbooked myself, whatever that is, even if it's, you know, sessions out in the forest, I still try and be careful that I don't try and do too much. And that's become so important to me. I don't always get it right. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, and it's been a real challenge this year, I think, as well. I think because, you know, we've all um, met our different challenges this time. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording today as well but I've definitely found some new challenges have come up for me, especially given my sort of journey in the last couple of years and, and my previous illness and the different fears that have come up again. So self-care has been even more important now. Um, yeah, and just talking. <laughs> I really like your, um, when you said, I look in my diary and if it's overbooked, I'll try and make a shift. So I think that's really important. It's like, and, and also you said that you diarize it in. It's at, and actually Daniel, you said to me something, I think it was last year. I, I was just we were booking in workshops and I said, oh God, I need to find a space for holidays. And you said, oh no, holidays first. And and actually I thought you, and I've, I have checked, I haven't told you about this year's holidays, but I've got loads booked in. So just be prepared. <laughs> but now I kind of thought, actually that's right. You know, my holiday time is when I, switch off from work and I get very creative and 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 just really recharge and I need them but also my self-care and I am quite good at that now I I do put it in it is in my diary before my work goes in so I have my slots for classes then I have self-care and then everything else fits around that like social or more clients or writing or something like that so I think that's and that's hard for a lot of people isn't it people find that really hard to prioritize themselves first often they are absolutely the afterthought of um you know a little uh, their self-care might be oh i had my hair done three weeks ago or you know i went to the gym and knocked out a spin class well yeah but what about what else you know how how else are you nurturing yourself and why is that not on your priority why isn't that even on your shopping list you know mm, i've um I've, I've worked with a few clients who are ex excessively busy you know they're, they're executives working up in the city where every every moment of every day is organized either on their behalf or they do it for themselves so to find time to actually take any care of themselves was really challenging so i've encouraged them now to put in their diary an appointment with themselves it sounds crazy, but actually that was the only way that they could do it. And then they've asked their PA to make sure that that time goes in every day, you know, and by doing that, they've got some time and it's up to them what they decide to do in that hour, but it's for them. It isn't took up. 
And the most important thing I always say to them is go without your phone. Make sure you're uncontactable for that hour. Even if it's just going to walk around, you know, where you're working at the time, or you go and have lunch sitting on a bench outside. You know, that's more important than everything else that's going on because you need that time for yourself. Or they could go and hug a tree. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure there's very many in Canary Wharf now, is there? Oh, that's so sad. You, you have to hug a, hug a bench. You might find some wood there. A bit of wood. <laughs> it might be a dead tree. <laughs> I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's some weeds growing out of cra- uh, pavement cracks somewhere. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Ruth, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. I feel really inspired and, yeah, looking forward to going outside and enjoying more of, of nature. Um, thank you so much. Would you just let people know how they can contact you if they want to come and do forest bathing? Um, or we will make sure that that goes out with the podcast as well. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, thank you so much for chatting. It's just so nice, especially as you guys have been quite an inspiration in my journey as well. And, and lots of the way that you worked and, 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 and spoke um, helped me an, an enormous amount. But so yes, very grateful to be here. But yeah, you can find me at forestcloudsnaturetherapy.co.uk um, and also on Instagram and Facebook, Forest Clouds Nature Therapy. I do try and use Twitter, but I never remember to. But <laughs> um, yeah, and just uh, people can get in touch. And I do from group sessions to private sessions to we'll try and work out whatever works for you. So thank Brilliant. you. Brilliant. It's been so wonderful to talk to you. And um, guys, if you haven't hugged a tree, now's your chance. Get out there, hug trees. Thank you so much for your time, Dawn and Ruth, today. See you soon. Bye.